Hello, hello, everyone. Um, welcome to another episode of the Growing Woman Podcast. My name is Christina Singh, and I am your host. And I am so grateful you're here for another episode of this podcast. Growing Woman is a podcast aimed at amplifying women's stories and voices to shine a light on all of the small ways women have found success and have grown in their lives. Through connecting with women's stories, my goal is to help other women amplify their voices, stories, as well as embrace vulnerability and change in order to take action toward their passions in life. So welcome to another episode. First and foremost, I just want to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you for those who are listening on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, watching us on YouTube, and um, sharing comments and liking you guys are absolutely amazing, and I am just so grateful that you're here. Today, I am so, so excited to be chatting with my guest, who is a dear friend of mine, and I'm really, really excited to dive into what she does. So today, I'm talking to Jamie Friedman. She is an acupuncturist here in New York City, and she is amazing, y'all. I am so excited to talk to her. And first, I'm going to read her bio, and then we're going to get into Jamie's story and learn about acupuncture today. So, never in a million years did Jamie Friedman think she would be in the healthcare field. Her own personal struggles with chronic headaches and back pain led her not only to finally finding relief through acupuncture, but also to a new career. After spending over 15 years on a computer as a graphic designer in the corporate world, she took a leap of faith and began a rigorous master's program. The more she learned, the more fascinated she became with acupuncture and the numerous conditions and ailments it could treat. Jamie earned her master's of science in acupuncture from Tri-State College of Acupuncture in New York City. During the past several years, she has been lucky enough to study under some of the world's masters, including Mark Seen, and Kiko Matsumoto, among others, learning different styles and techniques, which is better, which better help her treat her individuals. Welcome, Jamie, to the show. I am so excited you're here. As somebody who has known you for years now and who has gone to seek treatment from you uh, via acupuncture, when I had never ever gone to do acupuncture before. I'm really excited for our listeners to hear about your journey, and I'm really excited for them to learn more about acupuncture and how you experienced it. Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So in your bio, you mentioned that you were working in the corporate space for 15 years. So I would love to know where you're from and how you got to the corporate space in your life. <laughs> so where are you originally from? I grew up in New Jersey, about half hour, 45 minutes from the city, um, and went to school in Maryland, College Park, and I was an art major. I was always in the creative space and knew I was going to do something in that space, but I never wanted to be a starving artist, mm -hmm. um, so I went into graphic design. And I also didn't want to go to an art school because I went to my high school was so small, so I wanted to go to a big, like, college yeah. and have the college experience. So graduated from Maryland, moved back up here, basically have been in the city ever since. And I was interviewing for jobs, as we all do when we graduate college, <laughs> and ended up at a financial company doing graphic design. So... 
was there for several years and then moved to another very large bank, um, mm -hmm. but always doing graphic design, moved up the ranks there. And um, so you want me to get into my whole? No, no, it's totally fine. So, so what was your experience? What was your experience in the corporate world? Um, because obviously your life now is very different. Very different. Um, very different. So as you were in the corporate world and, you know, rising through the ranks, as you said, um, you were working in essentially the finance industry and like in banking, um, which is pretty male dominated in, from what we've seen in certain areas. Um, what was that like in graphic design? Was that the case in graphic design? And, and what was your experience? I actually, it was varied. Um, the first company I was at, I was there for five years. I had male bosses, female bosses. It was, it was pretty mixed for the most part within my department. The rest of the company, very male dominated. And this is the time, early 2000s, like there was money to be spent before the, you know, bubble burst. And yeah. um, like, I remember, like I, I was working downtown. So it was like, you'd go to some of these like old school Wall Street bars and it would just be like spending accounts and things like that. Uh, very male dominated in that respect. And I had a very, I don't know if I was naive at times or things like that, but um, like these guys would all go to the sales conferences and come back and like boast about, there was a lot of cheating on wives and things going on. Oh, wow. It was like, it was not a healthy environment there. Yeah. Um, but then I did have, I left there because our company got bought and I then had a female bo boss who was not located in New York oh, and wow. who basically, it was as if I didn't exist. And that's not the first time. I actually had worse experience with female bosses than male bosses. Interesting. Why do like, you think that is? I don't know. I think in some cases, these, it's hard to say without sounding. Well, I think there like, is a dynamic that Stephanie talked about in a previous episode of um, sometimes when you have a female boss and they're, in, and they're in a position of power, they're not always looking at you as an ally or looking to be an ally with you. No, that, that was the case in yeah. a couple incidences. So um, this one boss way back when, um, yeah, it was like she was part of this other company that acquired us. And instead of using me as an ally, because I knew like at that point I had been, I can walk into the head of what, you know, compliance or the head of um, like all these divisions or yeah. um, the CFO's office and plot myself down and have like a very candid conversation and get what I needed from them. Right. And like walk out. Cause that was just the environment there. And instead of using me as an ally and like somebody that can do work, she just kept, like, I literally had nothing to do. She, right. she had a graphic designer. They were located in Chicago. She had a designer there and she just kept giving him jobs. And I literally 
I, I had nothing to do. And I would ask for yeah. work and like the people around me and like these big wigs at this company knew like what was happening. Um, and they, I mean, they completely disagreed with her, but yeah, instead of using me to get in with all these people, she actually was probably forming a wedge because right. they all knew how she was treating me. Right. I think that's such an interesting um, thing that I, I've personally dealt with and that I know other people have dealt with before. Um, because we talk, I think, every single episode, I think I think I say this, we talk about female allyship a lot and how important it is mm-hmm. in the workplace and personally, and, but in your career. Um, Tracy, when she was on the show, she talked about how Jen Gittimer um, invited her to a networking group when she was just starting her business and how that really changed her life because she she had no idea what to do. But there can be the absolute opposite where someone's not in a position of power over you and they're not lending you a hand or they're not guiding you or they're not giving you the opportunity to work and be an ally and be that bridge. And that can be incredibly harmful for your career. And I would imagine that you didn't feel like you were growing there when you were there. No, at that point, I mean, it was like complete stagnation, which is why I left. Um, And then as we all know, I was at UBS for 11 and a half years after that. So um, where I had some great experiences and some absolutely awful experiences. Um, And again, most the, the awful experiences were with female bosses. Well, I think this is such a great lesson to female supervisors that if you are a female supervisor to really understand your role as a mentor for your staff and especially your female staff and understand that it's your job to really lift up your female staff and be conscious of that when you are in a position of power that does not mean someone will be coming after your position or they will, you know, be maligning you in some way. It just means you're giving them opportunity Um, because the worst thing that I've seen and I've seen this happen. And I know you were just saying this is that opportunity was being given to your male counterpart and not you. In that case. Yes. Yeah. The other cases were, I mean, a little different, but it was very interesting. None of these supervisors, by the way, do what I do. Interesting. So like, especially once I'm at UBS, like that's a much bigger company. So, you know, there were people that were head of creative services or which was kind of like a dotted line to marketing. So like I had bosses that were head of marketing. They weren't designers at all. They weren't, they didn't know the programs we used and things we did um but one of my bosses there what actually my last boss there who made my life miserable um would walk into like the design studio which is where me and a couple other people were working it was as if i was invisible she would Mm -hmm. literally like say hello to people talk to people and as as if i was not even in the room yeah what did that teach you about leadership and how you implement leadership in your life. Um, I mean, you, you get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar, which yeah. is like, I mean, that's just in life in general. You know, it doesn't, like, I don't understand why you should be vengeful to somebody or 
ignorant of somebody like you just we're all people like Mm -hmm. we all should be there to help each other and support each other so there's no reason to to like pretend somebody doesn't exist or like this one this that woman that pretended I like or it acted as if I wasn't in the room yeah she had to write my review one year because normally there would be like a middle man person and she wrote my review and I gotten a bad review for the first time in my entire career Mm. to the point where I brought it to HR because it's like it was uncalled for like anybody that saw it was like speechless literally yeah um I'd always gotten amazing reviews and then I think it was like I don't remember if we got like numbers or something like that I think I got a three like I usually get fives whatever um and then HR doesn't handle it well in those types of companies right I think you're hitting on something so key and again it's investing in your employees and investing in their time especially when you don't know what they're doing and when you don't do what they do and I think that for female leaders obviously when you are management you're there's a lot on your plate and and you're managing people in a way where you're not going to understand everything that they're doing but you also set the tone for your entire department and you set the tone for the practices that are going on in your department um as as you were in this space where you weren't being heard and you weren't um you were essentially being ignored by your female boss um I know you mentioned that your health was taking a toll and that you were having health issues as well. Do you think that was correlated in any way with your work environment or was, was that something that was separate? I think it was separate in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Um, because I also, during that time, like, like I said, I was there for 11 and a half years. Yeah. Right. Amazing bosses. Like one of our first bosses, like one of my first bosses there was, Amazing. She, I, uh, another key thing going back to what you were saying, like what, um, like I think something that's important for a female boss or any boss is communication. Yeah. Like I'm thinking back to this woman who was incredible. Um, everything was transparent. Like something was going on in the company. She'd call us all together. And I'm not just saying just the designers, like, cause there weren't, there were two of us, like, <laughs> um, cause I was in a small division, but like the whole department got together, like something's happening. I just want to let you know, or like bring us all together to go to lunch. It got yeah. to the point where by the time I left there, um, it was like the department was called like the land of misfit toys <laughs> because it was like cobbled together. Yeah. And like, if we had to go up, to a lunch or something like you didn't want to go because these are not people that you wanted to even associate with. (laughs) You just did not know people. (laughs) No. Um, Um, Yeah. Well, I know in previous episodes, Stephanie mentioned that because she was so stressed out because of her boss, she was feeling, just getting hives and like breaking out and stuff. So that's why I asked. I mean, I've always been a migraine sufferer. Mm, Okay. I do have scoliosis. So that causes my back pain. I will say between doing what I love now and 
I'm not going to say I don't get migraines or don't get headaches, but I also have other interventions that I've, that like things have changed along the way also. Like I've since found out that I have a rare headache condition that now is diagnosed properly and in remission. So a lot of the migraines that I had way back, you know, through my life were most likely caused by that. Um, So there's a lot of other factors, but yeah, stress takes a huge toll on your body. Like my back was probably at its worst during those last few years. Right. Um, Because yeah, there's a term psychosomatic, which a lot of people think is a super negative term, but it's really not. It's just basically how your body is manifesting stress. Right. So it's, yeah, stress. Yeah. Havoc on people. Definitely. So you mentioned, you know, we're talking about your migraines and we're talking about your health. And this was really what led you to acupuncture. When did you start going to see an acupuncturist? Like when was, when did that start happening? And when were you introduced to this world? 2011. <laughs> I could tell you exactly what month. <laughs> 2011 um, was when I first went to acupuncture and literally I'm on the table and, you know, I'm there for migraines, I'm there for back pain, shoulder, neck, whatever. Um, and I was like, why are you sticking needles in my legs or my feet? And I just, I was like, how do you know where points are? I was so inquisitive at that first appointment um, and just amazed at how I felt mm. after I got off the table and yeah. like what was happening and not completely understanding it, but it was one of the coolest things ever. And I went regularly for, I mean, years. Um, right. So, and you were learning, you know, kind of as, as things were happening. And when did you decide, like, so first, first, what happened to you when you started going to acupuncture and what started happening to your body? Oh, that's a cool stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. So it definitely helped my headaches. Again, this is also before I was diagnosed with the headache condition. So I needed Western medicine intervention for that. So I don't want anybody to think that I do not believe in going to a doctor or a neurologist or an orthopedist or cardiologist. Like that is very important too. And I refer people to doctors all the time. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of pain, like you were saying, that are as a result of stress and you just feel your body just melt mm-hmm. at times and it really does take that stress level down and you feel so much better and more there's times where i would walk in and you just don't feel yourself like you're outside your body mm-hmm. and you feel like you've just been reset afterwards um my headaches would be better granted it wouldn't last as long because i didn't know at the time that there was this other like basically mechanical issue going on with my brain. Um, But yeah, it's just, I, I tell people it's like pushing the reset button on your body and for anybody that has experienced it. um, I think they now know what that means to, to come out. And it's like, it keeps you at that level for longer periods of time also. It's not like totally. you get a treatment and you walk out and you're, you know, you walk back into your office and you're just all inflamed again. Like you kind of, your body's able to handle the stress better. 
100% as somebody who had never tried acupuncture before I met you and came to you. Um, I think that feeling of melting away that you described is such a perfect description because some, it's kind of like a weird shock to the system after you try it because it's like, oh, why do I feel, why do I feel light? <laughs> like, why do I feel this way? And, and it's almost kind of like you're like walking on air for a little bit and you need to sleep. And then after you sleep, you're like, number one, you have the best sleep of your life. And then you are feeling more aligned, like you were saying in, in life to just feel more calm. There've been several times where I've come to you before a board meeting at work and I've gone into that board meeting sleep deprived. And I, and after I go to you, I go into a board meeting and I'm like, I crush it and I'm totally great. So yeah. Like I have a lot of people that come at lunchtime or in the mornings. Um, and they're like, yeah, you get that little like acupuncture high. Mm-hmm. Yes. That feeling like you're like sleepy or whatever fades pretty quickly. Like you walk back into work and you're like way more productive than you totally. ever were. You're more focused. You're like more energized for your day. So you don't, yeah. you know, people can come at any time. It's not like you have to go home and go to sleep right after. Totally. You know, yeah. Wash that you're just like put me to put me to bed yeah Um, yeah yeah, basically you you just it's almost like you get this charge Mm -hmm. um, yeah move forward and conquer things definitely so as you're going to acupuncture for years and you're saying you're experiencing these things and you're feeling better and you're also incorporating western medicine eventually into everything but acupuncture was really changing your life um when did you decide that you wanted to do this as for a living? It wasn't that long afterwards. So things were getting worse in terms of the work environment. Um, and then it, that one of my bosses was just like terrible at the time. And I remember walking into my acupuncturist office. This was in May of 2013. Mm-hmm. So I've been going to acupuncture for a couple of years. Um, and I walked into her office after work and I just like lost it. Um, and it just had such a crappy day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do because I couldn't, being a graphic designer, you kind of silo yourself and yeah. I financial services for so long. So if I went to another company, it would most likely be another bank. And I was trying to figure out, do I want to leave? Do I want to go get another job? what am I doing with my life? I love what I do. Like I still love graphic design. I still love art in any capacity. Um, but I wasn't happy in that corporate financial world. So I was like, you know, saying like, you know, spewing all of this. And she's like, you know, you'd make a really great acupuncturist. So I ended up going then to, an open house at the one school she said I should go to um, mm. because it's one school that actually teaches one of the styles that I practice that she knew I would love. Um, and just really resonated with everything they were saying. I applied, I was accepted by July 4th and I started school that September. Wow. So it's a very fast process when you decided to do it. You know me pretty yeah. well, I'd say. <laughs> I am not a spontaneous person. No. I, I, I plan, I, no. think I organize, I 
you know, I'm very pragmatic. This was the most spontaneous decision I've ever made. Yeah. Which means it's right. Um, Previous guest, Nina Guilford, she, and I brought this up in probably every episode since we've spoken with her, but um, she talks about the tap on your shoulder. Like when you're hearing that tap, tap, tap of something that's calling to you. And when you start listening to it, then things start falling into place. And when you start listening to it, you can't ignore it and you have Mm -hmm. to do something. And it sounds like you had that experience where it was like somebody gave you, and you, and you talked about how, this woman was an ally for you. I mean, essentially she said, you would be a really good acupuncturist and open the door for you to think about that in that way. And I didn't even check it out. out. Like literally like the next week was the, like happened to be the open house. Yeah. It was like, boom, boom, boom. That's wild. So when you were going to school because you got your master's, um, were you still working at UBS at the time? Yes, I was. How was Um, that experience? working full-time and going to school full-time. So acupuncture school, depending on which school you're going to and what the program is, um, can vary in the length, but it's a three-year full-time program. So longer than business school, um, longer than a lot of other master's programs. It's, um, I've described it as a twisted form of med school (laughs) because Yes, like I took anatomy, physiology, neurology, like all these classes because I didn't have them in, like I didn't take those in college. Um, But then you're also learning like Chinese theory, which makes absolutely zero sense when you sit there for like that first year. um, But I was also working full time. I had worked out a flex schedule with work because the school schedule is a little weird. They did not know I was going back to school. Oh, interesting they thought I was taking classes in pain management for myself, like for my pain. Oh, wow. They knew I had migraines and all the other stuff. So they had no clue what I was doing. Yeah. I worked out this flex schedule. So I was basically in the office by 7.30 every morning. And one day a week I would leave at, I think class started at two. So I think I left at like 12 or 12.30, I can't remember. Um, that one day that I had like afternoon classes, I'd be in class from like two to 10. Wow. And then a couple nights a week, I'd have class from five 30 to nine 30 or 10. And then virtually every weekend from nine to five or nine to six Saturday and Sunday. Wow. So for three years, I literally transversed the city because walking was like my time to decompress. Um, so I literally would just walk from my apartment to midtown to go to work, downtown to go to school, school back to my apartment. And I make this big triangle <laughs> almost every day. Um, wow. but, how, how did you stay motivated to do all of that? Was you just loving it? Place. School was my happy place. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that, I mean, I used to walk, well, I would walk home um, from school, which was basically on the cusp of Chelsea in the West Village. And so I'd have like a 25, 35 minute walk. And there were plenty of nights where it would be 1030 at night because I left there at 10 and I'm walking home. Granted, we won't do that now, but yeah. Um, but like I was just bawling, like crying my eyes out because I was just so stressed. 
And for the first year, year, year and a half, when you're taking like all these traditional Chinese medicine classes and theory and stuff, it makes no sense, as I said. And everybody has said that at some point in year two, everything just clicks. Mm. But for that first year and a half, it's like, nothing makes sense. I'm like, I'm never going to get this. This is just not working. I love the practical aspect of it, but I don't understand all this theory. And for somebody who was always like a very good student and like always got good grades and didn't really have to work that hard for them, like that was really hard for me. Yeah, it was a big challenge. Yeah. And there were so many times where I wanted to quit my job because it was just awful there. Um, but at the same time, I kind of wanted, I kind of needed to still be getting my paycheck so I could pay for school and like, you know, mm-hmm. food, <laughs> <laughs> school and food. Yeah. Um, and that type of stuff, but then I'd get to school and I'd be so happy. Like it yeah. was light and I, I knew it was a finite period of time, but I had no life for three years. It was, it was rough. I think this is such a great lesson though in embracing uncomfortable spaces because you made this decision because you knew it was right. And so you did it. You just made it happen. And then you started and you were struggling and feeling that discomfort and feeling uncomfortable. And it was really challenging for you. Um, But you're saying it made you happy. You knew like that was your North star going into class. Um, I think that's such a great lesson because when you're finding something you love, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy or comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to challenge you. Um, Can you speak to how that, how it felt after you finished your classes and and after you finished school and going through these challenges um, and, and having something you love, but something that challenges you as well? Uh, Yeah. So, Literally, as soon as I had license in hand, so I kept my weird schedule, right, like when classes ended, um, and I basically started seeing, I, I think there were like two people that said they would come to me, because <laughs> like, I didn't know patients, um, and it was like a couple of people that I worked with at the time, because a few people in the office knew what I was doing, but nobody above me. Yeah. Um, so I, two patients, so they... I rented space for the one day a week where I knew I already was leaving work early. Um, but basically, as soon as I had my license in hand, I started treating people. Granted, it was like two people. but um, And then also my acupuncturist, who I had been going to for years, was in the transition of moving. Mm-hmm. And so she would have me come in... Um, sometimes and I would treat some of her patients for her and I literally I gave my notice so I graduated I think it was like June 4th was graduation I gave my notice at work on June 30th wow and I was supposed to give four weeks because of my level or or 30 days or whatever it is. And I only gave them two weeks because I was like, I can't stay. (laughs) You're like, I have to go. (laughs) Um, And I had a new boss at the time also, who was this guy who had been there for like literally two months. So I don't think he even knew 
Yeah. <laughs> so, longer, so he's like, okay. Yeah. He's like, fine. That's fine. Yeah. So what did uh, that feel like when you, when you it were transitioning? It was the best feeling ever to give my notice. And I just was floating. And I, I mean, my last day was like, it was the best. Yeah. And then we had a big happy hour. It was just so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then you transitioned into this new practice, uh, your own practice. And I want to talk about acupuncture and um, because you have a very clinical approach um, when, and I think people have said this to you before where your approach, I think it surprised me because there's a lot of, a lot of acupuncture that feels that is rightfully, like you said, there's Chinese theory and then it's like, you know, there's so much that goes into it. Um, but sometimes it does feel um, like you're going to, you're not going to the doctor, you know, sometimes that that is how it's made to feel. And I feel like it's so different than what people perceive it to be because I actually think acupuncture is very clinical just from working with you. I don't know if that's the case from working with other people because I haven't gone to other acupuncturists, but it feels very clinical because you're talking about your medical history. You're talking about, um, you know, personal information medically, um, and you're also looking at my tongue or like you're looking at various, um, yeah, my pulse and, and, you know, so can you explain why that is and, and, you know, what encompasses those two, like those, those forms of acupuncture? Well, any acupuncture should do a full intake. Um, that I hope is not something that I just do or just a few practitioners do. Yeah. I don't um, think it, I don't think it is. I, so, I think there's just this misconception around it. Oh yeah. I mean, I definitely have had patients go to other acupuncturists and then have come to me and told me it's a completely different experience because there are definitely some that are very woo woo and out there and like don't explain things to their patients. Um, but I know acupuncture is kind of a weird concept for a lot of people to grasp. So I like to explain as much as I can because I think it helps with your treatment mm -hmm. when you understand a little bit of what's going on. Um, but yeah, in terms of clinical, I think I take a practical approach to acupuncture. Maybe is a better word than clinical. Sure. Uh, because A, I talk to you in words that you understand instead of talking about um, like using all the Chinese lingo um, mm -hmm. or I try to explain to you what chi is or yin and yang or something like that as opposed to just spewing, you know, you have uh, liver chi deficiency. Like mm -hmm. that makes no sense to you or anybody. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely going to take pulses, do a full intake because acupuncture is treating all of you. And there's a lot of connections in Eastern medicine um, that Western medicine doesn't see. So mm -hmm. like a lot of people that have issues with their lungs or pulmonary things or asthma also tend to break out in rashes. Western medicine, you're going to your dermatologist, you're going to your pulmonologist or whomever like those two aren't ever connecting and you never would think that like they're all tied to the lungs, which is 
in Chinese medicine, you know, the lungs open up to the skin. So there's a correlation there. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people wouldn't be like, oh, I tend to break out in hives and I also have asthma, like, or I tend to break out in this weird rash. How is that even like connected? So mm-hmm. that's the reason for the full intake. And I ask a lot of questions that don't seem like they pertain to your shoulder pain or your back pain, but it's because we're treating all of you. Um, the nervous system controls everything in our body and we're basically balancing out your nervous system with the treatment, which then um, comes across across the board. Like that will help with your digestion, that will help with your back pain, that will help with your stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one part of the approach. And then yes, I take a very practical approach when it comes to pain in the body. And I will do a lot of palpation and feel around for what's going on, ask a lot of questions about your pain, find those knots and actually release trigger points and um, get into a lot of that soft tissue and musculoskeletal work. Um, So I definitely do a lot of that because the muscles have referral patterns that aren't necessarily you know, where you feel the pain. Yeah. I want to talk about, um, what you said around our lack of knowledge around Chinese medicine. Um, because you entered into a space that is predominantly Chinese and you were learning Chinese medicine. And I know that there are, um, incredible Chinese acupuncturists out there. Um, Mm -hmm. and you are for people listening, you're a white woman and you (laughs) entered, entered into this space, um, where you were embracing, um, Chinese medicine and learning Chinese medicine and, um, practicing Chinese medicine. And, and really, like you said, taking an approach where not everyone's going to understand everything that you've learned and, and understand those that like essentially translation for what certain things mean. Um, what was that experience like learning um, um, a practice from a, you know, from an entirely different approach and, and from a different culture and making sure you're honoring that culture and, and Chinese medicine and, and also ensuring that your patients understand certain aspects of, of what they're undergoing as well? Um. I, that's a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So I think more and more practitioners, especially here, actually throughout the world, um, are not necessarily Asian. So I think that's a big takeaway. Like I remember sitting in class and like classes worked, you were basically with the same people through the whole um, tenure at school. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only a, maybe two or three Asian, um, people in my class. I mean, you had people of every color of the rainbow and every background you can imagine. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily a predominantly Asian, um, space anymore. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's where it originated. Um, so it will always carry that but yeah learning the it's like a foreign language it is a foreign language um chinese theory 
doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you're first learning it. And that's why I always try to not speak in as much Chinese theory when I talk about acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know how confused I was and it took me, I mean, I, there's still parts of it that to me don't make sense because I like concrete answers for things. Um, so when there's a lot of this theory and it's based on the classics, it's like, it just seems woo woo to most people. And I don't want them to think of acupuncture as that. Um, it definitely has its foundation in these ancient Chinese texts. Um, and a lot of it makes so much sense. It's a lot of it's based on nature. And if you look at a thriving environment, how different elements work together to create a sustainable space for things to live. And they just took that and made it into how our body works. Um, So there has to be a balance of things in order for us to function. So I think that's the biggest takeaway from the Chinese medicine part of it. And yes, there's a whole bunch of nuances that we can get into, but if somebody can understand that um, and understand that we're basically rebalancing our bodies and getting rid of stagnation and, and blockages to get things moving again, then I think it becomes more relatable. Mm-hmm. Well, I love the, and for all the questions. <laughs> I, I don't remember to be honest, because, <laughs> um, well, I love the balance. Um, the, you know, you talking about that balance, because, um, I think that is such a great way for people to understand this. Um, and I also really appreciate that you said that there are people of all backgrounds in your school, because I think that is also something that people might not know, um, is that a lot of people are interested in learning and practicing Eastern medicine because it is so useful mm-hmm. um, to incorporate into our lives and that this you know, Chinese medicine is so useful and is valid and is something that is so important to be practicing in our lives. Um, and so I really appreciate you shining a light on that and, and saying that a lot of people were showing up and, and coming to those classes. I think um, also, sorry to interrupt. No, I think also it's becoming more widely accepted. Um, people are looking less to drugs and surgery and want to find an alternate path to feeling better. Um, and there's also a lot of cases where there are people that have that know something is wrong with them, like innately know something is wrong, or they have pain and nothing is coming back diagnostically, um, which is really frustrating, um, knowing that you know you have some sort of pain, but every MRI, every scan comes out clear, or you just don't feel good and you can't quite pinpoint it, but every you know blood panel and test is coming back normal. Acupuncture doesn't necessarily care what the Western medicine diagnosis is or that you don't have one. So I think people are realizing that they can start to feel better if they find these alternate 
roots to do so because I care about what you're telling me and how you're feeling and what symptoms you're experiencing. Um, and again, that's why we ask all these questions with mm-hmm. the intake, but I want to know all of that so that I could treat you. And then a lot of these people that can't get diagnosed in other ways end up feeling so much better through acupuncture. Right. Um, yeah, I, I also think that we should honor that this practice has been around for thousands of years and it's worked for thousands of got years. got staying power, that's for sure. Yeah, it's got <laughs> staying power. And of course, Western medicine is, like you said, you've benefited from Western medicine and they're, yeah. you know, you're recommending people to it. But I also think there is this misconception of it being, of, of you know, that word that you were saying, woo-woo and things being, you know, out there. And, and I think that's, you know, a miscalculation on um, Western society's part uh, to not embrace this, these modalities and these things that have worked for people for thousands of years, thousands of years. Thousands of years. And um, and I think it's really great to see that more people are incorporating it into their lives, like you said. So when somebody comes to see you for a session and they've never come to see you before and you do their intake, what are some things that you notice after their first session that happens? I had a new patient a couple of days ago. Um, so it just, first of all, I feel amazing after, I love new patients because especially people that have never experienced acupuncture because it's such a cool feeling to see that you are the catalyst for a change in them. Um, But they tend to get off the table and just feel like a new person. They have a lightness to them and they, do you ask me what I tell them or how they, or just what you notice and how they feel and the changes? there is that acupuncture high a lot of times because your body is so used to being in this state of overstimulation and over like this go, go, go environment that we always are living in. And they are not used to having that brought down so that rest and digest component can kind of take over that was stifled before. Um, And so yeah, it's just like I see the change. There's a there's there's something called um, seeing the shen in your eyes, which is like that um, shen is your mind, but it's like almost like that brightness. You know, mm-hmm. when you see like that, like you look at a baby, they're completely innocent, haven't lived life yet, don't know any of what's going on in the outside world, and they have you know that sparkle yeah. in their eye. You get that back after an acupuncture treatment. Mm. So I see that um, your breathing changes. Your you've noticed how your voice changes. Yep, my voice drops an entire octave the second you stick a needle in me. <laughs> it's incredible, it's wild. And it's like I I can stick two needles in someone and completely like, and somebody will just give that good long deep exhale, and you immediately see their breath change. Um, the pulses change almost immediately. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of changes that happen and it's mm-hmm. really cool to experience. Yeah. What do Both your patients and practitioner? Yeah. Yeah. What do your patients look like? Like what backgrounds and, 
who do you, who do you work on? Like, you know, cause I think you do, you know, you work on people who are athletes and who are not. And so I'm curious kind of what do people come to you for? What do they come to me for? They come for everything and they look like everybody. Um, I have big business people that come to me for stress management and sleep and, um, and that type of stuff. I have actors and dancers and people that come for, you know, chronic hip problems or again, everybody's coming for stress at some, on some level, (laughs) however we look at it. Um, Boosting your immune system is huge. Acupuncture keeps you healthy. It's a preventative medicine. Um, And a lot of people come to me for pain. Uh, That's how a lot of people start with acupuncture. So regardless of who you are, I don't care what you're doing for a living. You know, this one hurts their shoulder. This one got into a skiing accident and has never been, you know, their knee has never been the same or Mm. back pain, shoulder and neck pain. Everybody's like, walking around like yeah their shoulders up to their ears and this week especially after everybody's been working from home for so long they've been working on their laptops on a couch on their bed so many people are not set up properly at home so they're this week everybody had neck shoulder back pain yeah everybody (laughs) um so yeah yeah most people start with acupuncture because of pain and then realize after they feel better after a few treatments they also notice that their sleep has changed they're sleeping better um it helps with insomnia their stress management is so much better um digestion is a big one uh infertility or fertility in some way um yep i went to see you and then i got pregnant And that's not a lie. I am six and a half months pregnant. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And then I got pregnant and I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Not that's not, you know, I know that's not the case for everyone. You're not the only person that said that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it, it helps with everything. So people realize that after their neck is feeling better or after they can finally, you know, put a jacket on without feeling shoulder pain. They've mm. that. And then they keep coming back because you want to keep that feeling going or I you mean, want yeah. you feeling better with your sleep without taking an Ambien every night or um, yeah, it just, it helps with everything. Yeah. You know? I mean, just that what you said, putting so, a jacket on without shoulder pain, that's such a simple act that, if you're in pain, when you go to find something that, you know, maybe a, a Western doctor might not diagnose and they might not see, right. if you they'll can help send them. you for your MRI, they'll send you for an ultrasound, they'll send you for PT, but it's not always going to fix why you're experiencing that pain. Yeah. You mentioned um, in your bio that you've worked under various... Um, master's in acupuncture. And I know you've talked to me about the different techniques that you use. Can you talk about the techniques that you use? Absolutely. So the first is traditional Chinese medicine or 
you'll hear a lot of people say TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. Um, and that is basically what all acupuncture is rooted in. So no matter what kind of acupuncturist you are, what styles you practice, everything comes out of TCM. And how that works is we have this meridian system on our, that runs through our bodies. And these meridians are pathways or channels. Um, and I'm sure you know my, you've heard me say this a zillion <laughs> times, but uh, I liken that system to the subway map. Yeah, I wrote down in my notes, subway so, system. <laughs> so if you were to superimpose the subway map on your body, very similarly, we have these different lines coursing through us. And instead of being named after numbers and letters, they're named after organs because way back when they didn't know what they should name these things. So they knew that there was a heart and a liver and a kidney and a spleen. So that's the naming convention they came up with. Um, and similarly to the subway system, you have subway stops. You can think of those as acupuncture points. So most of them are running on their own channel every so often certain ones intersect. Mm. So anywhere we're putting a needle, we're bringing blood flow to the area and we're getting rid of any blockages or stagnation in those channels because essentially we live life and you know things get stuck. So we don't wanna have a sick passenger or a stalled subway car. We want our systems to be running smoothly. So by putting the needles there, we're opening up that channel, getting things moving. People don't realize how moving acupuncture is. Um, mm -hmm. So gets everything going. And when that happens, it balances out our nervous system. So we have two parts to our nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. One is that um, fight and flight state that, that goes into overdrive all the time because we're in this overstimulated go 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 environment and so that's always really heightened that sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system is very much depleted and that's that rest and digest component mm. we just don't give ourselves the time to reset acupuncture will do that and it balances out that nervous system so that it takes down that fight and flight state and brings up that rest and digest component so everything's more balanced. And as I mentioned earlier, when our nervous system is balanced out, every other bodily function runs more efficiently. Right. So that's the first style and that's TCM. Sorry for being so long-winded. No, no, this is fascinating. Um, I love it. The second style I practice is a Japanese style. It's based on Kiko Matsumoto, who I um, worked with and studied under. Um, her style has a lot to do with palpation and reflexes. So sometimes there's patient interaction with this style. Sometimes I'm feeling around for things, but basically touching certain areas to see if it has some sort of reaction. Um, maybe I see you wince because it's a little tender or I'm feeling it and it's really like tight. And then I might go touch another area of your body um, before needling it, just putting pressure, a little bit of pressure there and seeing if it elicits change in that first spot. Mm -hmm. So is that kind of what you do with the, um, like the muscle spasms or the, no, that's the no. third style. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is more, 
this is very subtle, this style. Mm, okay. So um, Got it. It really works. It's very cool when I do it. It's been when I, you've experienced it when I put the needles on the side of your head, just on the one side. And I've told you, like some people call it their dream points. And yeah. I commented on when you felt those points in, you just kind of felt everything kind of relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So those two points specifically are over the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is where we hold trauma. Okay. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, big life trauma. It just could be holding patterns in the body also. So it kind of releases those. Um, so that's in, that's basically an example of how like that palpation reflex um, works. Got it. Okay. Um, so subtle, not painful, very. Um, and then the third style I practice is called applied physical medicine. That's where we get into the trigger points. Got um, it. Okay. So applied physical medicine is basically like a sports medicine practice. I very much like to take this age-old system and bring it into the 21st century. Um, we're in the 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> What day is it? What century is it? We don't know. We're in this pandemic. We have no idea. I already have more semblance of what day it is now, though. Yeah. <laughs> 13 patients this week. <laughs> but yeah, so it kind of brings it into the modern age because yeah. we are not waking up when the sun rises, going to sleep when the sun sets. We're not hunters mm -hmm. and gatherers. We drive cars. We sit at computers. We're slouching with a laptop on our lap on our couch. We, we're a different person now than Joe Smith was, you know, in the first century. Yeah. So things change. Our bodies have changed. Um, yeah. And we have to honor that in a way and treat it differently. So applied physical medicine will balance you out. We're always going to treat that underlying constitution and then go into those local areas of pain and find um, what's causing it. So like you said, going and finding those knots, um, yeah. those knots or those areas and those trigger points are not necessarily where you feel the pain. I've had people come in and tell me they have shoulder pain and it's in the front of their shoulder, like, you know, kind of by their clavicle or something. And I'm like, all right, we're going to treat you face down today. And they're like, no, 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 my, the pain's in the front of my shoulder. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I know, but we're going to treat you face down. And they right. like argue with me because I, I know which muscle is causing that pain. And that muscle is not in the front of the shoulder. Um, so there's muscles that send pain essentially to other areas of the body. So you need to find where it's stemming from. Mm -hmm. and fix that in order to alleviate the pain. Yeah, I know for me, I mean, I had some really bad heel pain when I was first coming to see you and you treated my calf and yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And it was great. Then it definitely alleviated the pain and you gave me tools and techniques on how to massage my calf if I was feeling heel pain that have helped me tremendously. Um, 
And then similar to those trigger points, I remember we did some on my back and they're wild, you know. Yes, you actually make the muscle fasciculate and spasm. Um, yeah. You're breaking up that knot, like those adhesions that form. Um, they cause things to get stuck and blood can't circulate and flow freely. And you need to essentially get rid of them. And the quick, one of the quickest and most efficient ways to get rid of them is to create this... Um, the muscle to kind of spasm and relax and it gets rid of, it changes the muscle tissue instantly. Yeah. Um, you described it as you're taking the needle and knocking on the door. Exactly. You're kind yeah. of um, pecking just like right on the edge of where that knot is to cause it to open up. So if you think of like a clogged toilet, you know, right. Right. Not the best visual, but like <laughs> you don't have to like plow through it and like really use a lot of force. You kind of have to jostle it a little bit in order to get things to to move again. Right. So well, that's essentially what we're doing. Yeah, and I know that there have been circumstances, like instances with me, where you've um, where you've put a needle somewhere and my um, muscle naturally spasm and. Um, yeah. it will just happen. Right. I mean, cause there, are, like I said, there's acupuncture points all over our body on meridians. And yeah, if it's, if there happens to be a tight muscle right underneath it, like you're kind of activating that spot. And again, these are pretty superficial. They're so tiny. Like, like you, they're, they're like the size of a strand of hair, but they have a big result. Um, yeah. And yeah, if it's, a, if it happens to be a tight area and you put a needle there, it's just, it releases. Can we talk about the needles? Because sure. I think a lot of people are very nervous to go to an acupuncturist because they're sticking you with needles and because there's this component of being afraid of pain. Um, I personally, when I come to see you, there are points that are, you know, that do cause a little bit, particularly with my ears, I notice that they're super sensitive. Yeah. And there's no meat there. Right. Um, but there are moments where you're putting needles in me, I can't even feel them. Can you talk more about that experience and, and like sure. working with needles? So as I said, the needles are super fine. Um, there's no exchange of fluid, so there's no hole in these needles, like a typical hypodermic needle, which is the type of needle you get blood drawn with or a flu shot or something like that. You can actually stick about, I've seen anywhere from like 20 to 40, I guess it depends on the size of the gauge of needles, um, acupuncture needles into the hole of a typical hypodermic needle. That's how wow. small the needles are that I'm using. They are about the size of a strand of hair. Okay. Uh, they're flexible. So they really like, you know, you can't really do much damage with them in, in a way. Like you're not going to, if you, if you hit a needle by mistake, you're not going to hurt somebody. You probably wouldn't even feel it because they kind of move. Mm -hmm. uh, so most needles like you said, you don't even feel when they go in. Um, they're so fine. They're not damaging the skin like a hypodermic needle would be. They're almost like pushing the skin cells aside because they're that small. Mm -hmm. um, and they shouldn't cause pain, but a lot of times you will feel sensations. So 
we're bringing blood flow to the area. So something like a heaviness or warmth or like a dull ache is completely normal because it's like we're opening it up again. Yeah. So I personally hate needles. Like I go to get blood taken. I am looking away. I just, I don't want to see it, <laughs> but these needles feel nothing like a shot. Yeah. I, um, I know I've talked to some friends about acupuncture. I'm like, you have to go, it'll change your life. And they're like, oh my gosh, no, I'm too afraid of, of the pain associated with it. When you have somebody that comes to you and they're feeling worried about the pain, do you ever like test a needle on them or like have them have do something? Like, how do you manage that fear? Um, well, I have some people that don't want to even see what the needles look like. Mm, okay. Um, so there's that. I have others that will look at them and when they realize how small they are and how flexible they are, they're amazed and it kind of shifts that insecurity with needles. Um, cause it's completely different than like an actual syringe. Yeah. Um, and then, so you have the people that don't even want to see it. And a lot, I, I do have one or two patients that actually won't get treated face up. They will only get treated face down because the needles freak them out. Got it. And we can work with that because I can treat you however you're comfortable. Um, and these patients that don't like to look at the needles and want to be treated only face down, they, they also agree like there's no pain involved with them. Yeah. Um, but also for other people, I'll demo what it's what's happening like i use a guide tube so it's this little piece of plastic and for the most part that's what you feel against your skin and i'll show them how you put it you know you load the needle in the guide tube and you just tap it in so yeah i think a lot of people i don't want to say gotten over their fear of needles but i think there's a big difference between acupuncture needles and a typical yeah 100% um can we talk about the other things that you incorporate into your practice, such as cupping? Um, and am I saying this right? Mungwort? Mugwort? Mugwort. Yes. <laughs> Mugwort. Because we, I've never used, you've never used that on me, but I've seen you use it on. I in my practice. Um, a lot of time because of ventilation in the building, mm. um, it does get smoky. And I do have people going back to work and stuff and they don't want to necessarily have that scent linger. It's not like a heavy <laughs> smell. It's not like, you know, but, um, I do a ton, ton, ton of cupping in my practice. Um, cupping penetrates about four inches of tissue beneath the surface. So it is really effective at helping with pain, with relaxing you with so many different issues. And you don't just cup the back. Some yeah. people, have, I've actually had that question a lot lately. They're like, do you just cup the back? And I was like, no, I've cupped people's stomachs for digestive issues. I've cupped arms and legs and stuff, mm -hmm. depending on what's going on with you. But I do, for the most part, old school traditional fire cupping using glass cups, lighting a cotton ball soaked in alcohol on fire, sticking that in the cup really quickly, which burns the oxygen out that chemical reaction is what forms the vacuum seal on the surface of the skin. Um, and there's no heat on people. There's no fire on people. A lot of people get nervous with that. A lot of people are surprised that the cups feel cold. Yeah. They've been sitting in stuff and it might be chilly out or something. Then 
they're cold on your skin because the fire is going in so quickly. It's just literally a split second. Um, but with that, I'll also use a lot of CBD oil and ointments because I'm a big fan of CBD. It really helps. Um, yeah. And that I like to put cups um, on areas where I've released trigger points because trigger points leave you sore. I've never sugarcoat that. I should have mentioned that when we were talking about them. <laughs> um, but it just helps open up the area. It's basically, like I said, penetrating four inches of tissue beneath the surface. So if you think of everything under your skin as like cotton candy and you have this suction at the very top of that. And you know, when you pull cotton candy and like the whole thing kind of moves with it. Yeah. So if you have the suction on the surface of the skin, you're actually opening up all of that connective tissue, the fascia, the muscles underneath to allow blood to circulate again and things to start moving and opening. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it feels really good. It does feel really good. A lot of people are scared of what of cupping and they're like, oh my God, it looks terrible. I'm so scared of it. And then they actually have it done and they want it done every time they come in. <laughs> well, one thing you always say too, and like you said, you incorporate oils and bombs. So it's not like your the cupping is just sucked on your bare skin. It's got this oh, like yeah, barrier no, of a bomb. It should feel good. Cupping yeah. It's great. I mean, it feels like a massage, um, like this kind of gentle pull. Um, but that's one of the other modalities I use. And then you're asking. So another thing I do is gua sha, which is a scraping technique. I'm, I think most people have heard the term gua sha now because everybody's doing facial gua sha. Yeah. Um, but before it was used so much on the face, it's used on the body a lot of times to, again, help open up and break up some stagnation adhesions um, it can bring up color similar to cupping anywhere. There's stuff going on beneath the surface is where the color will come up. So if there's not really anything happening, you barely will turn pink. Um, but if you've seen people with really dark cupping marks, um, and then you'll see other cupping marks that aren't quite as bad, wherever the darker marks are is where there's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, or where the, epicenter of somebody's distress and pain or stagnation is happening. Um, so same thing with gua sha. I can do a scraping technique. Again, feels like a massage, feels really good. Um, and color will come up in those areas. It'll be more streaky as opposed to a circle, um, but works similar in terms of opening things up. And yeah. then obviously if you're doing it on the face, you never do it with the same pressure. You're not, it, it's a different technique. Yeah. But, um, and then another thing I do is I use a lot of infrared heat and electric stim to hook up to the needles to help as well. So what does that look like? I, Cause it kind of looks like a, you're jacking a car almost. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little machine and you are, there are lead wires yeah. and you do connect those lead wires right to the needles. So um, it actually will help penetrate deeper into, um, into a joint or into a muscle than let's say um, a lot of people have a TENS machine or have gone and had like those pads put on them and feel like that little oh, yeah. kind of shock 
wave type sensation. Um, a lot of people have gone to PT and have had that experience. This actually, it's similar to that, except right, like I said, we're going right onto the needle. So if it's in a tight muscle and somebody doesn't like trigger points because trigger points can be intense, STIM will help kind of send a signal um, and you'll feel like a gentle tapping sensation in the muscle. So it's kind of a constant activation to help loosen it up. STIM mm -hmm. is also really great for joint pain. So if somebody comes in with knee pain, like it's not a super vascular area. There's not like a muscle in your, like right in your knee. Um, so you kind of are going into joints and you're reducing inflammation. Right. So it's, STIM is great for reducing inflammation. So it really can help with a lot of joint stiffness and pain. Yeah. Um, and then the, the last, um, Mug, mugwort, mugwort. I get it wrong every time. <laughs> so mugwort is herb, um, and that's the actual herb. And the process is called moxibustion or moxa is what a lot of people will refer right. to it as. And moxa is the burning is the burning of the mugwort um, herb. And mugwort, in its natural dried state, kind of looks like this gold yellow like almost spongy thing and it can come in a lot of different forms like i have the actual moxa mugwort which i sometimes will roll into little kind of looks like um rolled into little pieces of like rice into the size of a piece of rice mm. and that would be called rice grain moxa so you put a little bit of balm on the surface of the skin at an acupuncture point and you put the little piece of um, mugwort or moxa onto the skin and you burn it and basically it brings it warms the channel so it can help open up the channel in a different way um, by using direct heat and it's basically penetrating like infrared heat so right. if you look at all of the different types of light in the spectrum infrared penetrates the deepest so that's also why I use infrared heat lamps in my practice as mm -hmm. opposed to moxa a lot of times. It's basically giving you the same end effect because it's very penetrating. Um, so yeah, and then I have stick on moxa. So it's already like kind of pre-done on this little sticker board that you can just stick on different parts of the body yeah. and burn those. Um, and you will feel heat like right in that spot. So, um, that's so interesting. I love yeah, learning. Very opening. It's very opening. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I think that's and so great. Warming. So if yeah. somebody comes in like with a very cold, stagnant constitution, it would be great for that. Mm, okay. We're all inside right now. We have been for a while. Um, I know that you just said you were starting to see patients again, um, slowly and surely. Um, for those of us who are not able, maybe people are really severely immunocompromised and they're waiting for things to really, really die down and we're waiting for things to open up. For people who are at home, what are some acupuncture techniques that people can use to reduce their stress um, right now when they're at home? Okay. Um, first thing is you can massage your ears. So we have a zillion nerve endings in our ears and it, 
anybody that's come to me knows that usually the first couple points I do are a couple of different ear points um, because the entire body is represented in the ear, kind of like reflexology on the feet. Mm. And because we have so many nerve endings here and it represents the whole body, just by massaging your entire ear, like your earlobes, your like the, the cartilage part, um, anything, it helps take your nervous system down a notch. So it, it's a natural way to relax your body. So massaging your ears is great. Um, you can massage the point at the very bottom of your foot, just below the balls of your feet, like kind of dead center. Um, that is, that is an acupuncture point. It's kidney one, and it is the most grounding point there is. Um, so step on a golf ball is good. Like I used to keep a golf ball under my desk. Um, mm. so if you're feeling a little anxious, step on, or like one of those little super bounce balls that you used to get out of the yeah. vending machine at the, um, supermarket, like those are the perfect size for activating that point or just massage it, like grab your foot and push on it. You'll find it. It'll feel tender, but it'll also feel good to have pressure on it. Um, that kind of helps bring the energy away from your head and your upper body and bring it down. Um, breathing. People forget to breathe. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, so literally just stop for a minute, not even a minute. You don't even have to breathe for a whole minute. Just stop, take like three or five, just good deep breaths and feel your ribs expand in all directions. So many of us are breathing and we're only breathing into the upper few ribs. So our breath is not fully getting through our body and we need to breathe in order for blood to circulate. So a lot of people, when they start to have an anxiety attack or a panic attack, will start to get numb in their fingers, in their toes, start to lose feeling in their limbs. If they take a moment to just concentrate on their breath, the feeling will start to come back. You're actually preventing the brain from getting oxygen, like from, yeah, you're preventing the brain from getting oxygen and you're also preventing blood um, from flowing to all of your extremities. Right. So that will help calm you down. And then in terms of the aches and pains that everybody is feeling just from being like, we're sitting so much more now because yeah. of quarantine, whether you're working or not, um, like we're just home a lot. So we're sitting way more. My absolute favorite massage tool, which I tell everybody to get a couple of are lacrosse balls. So not everybody has a foam roller sitting at home and you can easily get your hands on a $5 lacrosse ball. Right. Um, whether you stop and pick one up, Amazon Prime it, whatever. It is the best massage tool you can ever own. So spending a minute or two, a couple times a day, like either laying on the floor and using it wherever you're feeling the tightness. Most people right now, it's their neck and shoulders and their low back. Um, do not forget your hips, those outer parts um, on the outside of your hip. There are so many muscle attachments there that if you loosen that up, it will make you feel better above and below um, upper and lower body. So 
yeah, you can use a lacrosse ball on the floor, up against the wall, even along um, the base of your skull if anybody's getting headaches. Mm. Um, like tuck your chin and you can roll it across uh, the base of your skull and that will help a ton and make sure you're drinking enough water. Thank you for all of those. <laughs> and I have been told many times about the lacrosse ball. So I really appreciate I mean, it. You love it. At some point <laughs> I, I might have to get lacrosse balls with my logo. Yeah. I actually think that'd be really a great idea. <laughs> I I like so many people leave my office and Paragon is like two blocks away and stop at Paragon to pick up lacrosse balls. Yeah, you should. I actually think I should edit that out so you can make that and have it be an offer. <laughs> um, no, lacrosse, like just, and I also love traveling. Well, when I used to travel a lot <laughs> yeah, um, and get on a plane, I always throw two lacrosse balls in my carry-on bag because sitting on a plane can get uncomfortable and you like I wedge them in my back like between the seat and my mm. back and it just helps so much or yeah. and then I get to wherever you're, I'm going and I have whether you're in a hotel or your parents house you have a tool with you yeah totally no room yeah so. I love it so much Jamie thank you for being here and thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us and what you've learned in your journey. Um, I think so many people will be able to relate and thank you for shining a light on the importance of this medicine and of your practice and, and following something that you loved. I mean, even just talking to you about your techniques and, you know, just all of the things that people can use, I can see that you love it and you're just so happy and knowing you personally, I know that you love it and you're just so happy, but, um, where can people find you? Um, hopefully by the time this airs, we will be, you know, going back outside and people can find you and come to you, um, if they live in the New York city area, but where can people find you if they want to follow you online and, and in general? Um, mostly on Instagram. I'm at acupuncture chick, but it's C H I K. Um, so it's an acupuncture spelled with one C, a C U. A lot of people spell it, um, wrong, but it's acupuncture chick and the, where else? Oh, I guess Facebook, but I'm not very active on Facebook. So whatever's posted on Instagram, would just carry over there. But, um, JMF acupuncture is the name of my practice and my Facebook acupuncture page, um, I usually, when I used to see patients regularly, but <laughs> um, <laughs> we get back to normal, I'm usually pretty good with my stories. Not so much, yeah. close, but no, you're amazing on Instagram and you have the most beautiful writing on your Instagram stories. And I was like, oh, so pretty yeah. and soothing um, and very informational. And we'll link your website. We'll link your Instagram. We'll link everything in the description for this episode. You can find the Growing um, Woman podcast on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, um, and on Instagram at Growing Women Pod. Um, Jamie, thank you so much again for being here. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. Um, we are just so grateful for your time today. And remember, your story matters, your voice matters, you matter. And we will see you in the next episode of the Growing Women podcast.